This is GDC Podcast, Episode 4. Hey everybody, this is your host Chris Draft. I'm Editor-in-Chief of Gama Sutra. I'm here with my co-host Alyssa McAloon. Hello, I'm Alyssa. I'm news editor and associate publisher at Gama Sutra. Yeah, how you feeling today? Sick. Great. Thanks for asking. <laughs> you're feeling you're feeling you're feeling a little sick. I learned um, a lesson about uh, don't fly with a head cold. Oh yeah, you just came uh, from South Dakota, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, the hotbed of the game industry, <laughs> as they call it. We have we have Dakota State, which is a game design college, so they're great. I graduated from there. Oh, okay. All right. Well, good job. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, today we do have we do have a, a a guest. He is kind of hanging out in the back right now. Uh, you know what? I'm not even gonna. <laughs> I'm not even going to uh, to you know avoid spoiling. It's Brandon Sheffield. Uh, it's uh, me. I, <laughs> a lead writer, uh, the lead writer on uh, on uh, Lab Zero's Indivisible, but we're not going to acknowledge him yet. We're going to put him, we're going to put Brandon in a corner for now. Uh, but real quick, let's go over some uh, GDC 2020 news, some uh, real quick announcements. Uh, we got to mention that registration is still open. It's still open. It hasn't closed yet. So if you would like to go, you should go to the website, gdconf.com. Sort that out. It's from March 16th through the 20th. Uh, there's something else that is cool that happened. Uh, the GDC narrative wall is up. Uh, Alyssa, what, what exactly was that again? Um, it was a project they hosted at GDC 2019 where they solicited um, contributions from developers in attendance and built that into three neat little twine projects that are now up and playable. Yeah, and that can be found at narrativewall.gdconf. Dot com, and uh, lastly, this is freshly baked news, uh, fresh out of the oven. Newly announced game funding and investment summit at GDC 2020, and that'll be a place where you can learn about how to partner with people um, and you know who have money to give you, uh, and also people who want to give you money. They can go over there and find out how to uh, be a wiser investor. So if you're interested in, you know, supporting your studio or your project with cash money, which I think that, you know, some people might be, check it out. Game Funding and Investment Summit at GDC 2020. All right. I think, uh, what, what, what do you think, Alyssa? Should we just cut to the chase? I think, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the suspense, uh, I don't think that, (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I can take it anymore. So, uh, you know, the, uh, our next guest, uh, former editor in chief of game developer magazine, uh, sibling publication of Gamma Sutra before it's uh, unfortunate demise, uh, Contributor on Gamma Sutra. Sorry, that was kind of that's kind of bleak. Uh, game Developer Magazine was, you know, one of it. It was the the best game development magazine. It was uh, pretty good it, that that ever existed. Uh, and uh, so um, he also a contributor on Gamma Sutra, uh, founder of the indie studio Necrosoft Games, which is responsible for great games like Gun House and Oh Dear. That's D E E R. It is a racing game where you run over a deer. Or not. Deer. You can choose yeah, not for... to. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I always played running over. <laughs> uh, he also worked on uh, the highly successful releases, the uh, Street Fighter 30th Anniversary Collection, SNK 40th Anniversary, and an upcoming Samurai Showdown, what? Is it like 50th anniversary? It's got to keep ramping it up. Yeah, ramping it up. The older, older the franchise uh, of uh, fighting games, the better for Brandon. Uh, frequent GDC speaker and a, a really great advocate for students and uh, f- who want to enter the game industry and develop careers in the game game industry. And 
kind of the main reason he's here now is uh, he was the lead writer on Lab Zero's Indivisible, which came out in October this year. A great game that we'll find out more about. Uh, And uh, here we go. Let's welcome Brandon Sheffield. Hey, Brandon. It's me. (laughs) It is you. Uh, So you are the lead writer on Indivisible, or were. It's out now. So your work is mostly done, right? Um... Mostly done, (laughs) is what I should say. Yeah, it's mostly done. Can you tell us, uh, for listeners who who aren't familiar, what is Indivisible, and uh, what exactly did you do on the game? Yeah, Indivisible is a... It's a platforming uh, action Metroidvania-ish game with a kind of fighting game-inspired battle system uh we did kind of make the mistake of calling it an action rpg and it 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 sort of misses a lot of the core elements of an rpg uh like a lot of stats and leveling and equips and stuff um but it does still have that kind of vibe which is why which is why we said it uh but it's more like a weird Metroidvania action turn-based fighting game. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot easier to remember. <laughs> yeah, it's much easier to remember that way. Yeah, and it's got this... Uh, I, I really like... Uh, we can talk... I mean, I know you didn't work directly on the battle system, but you know, it. I, I like how it's just so fast-paced and it does have that kind of... that immediacy like a, a fighting game might. Uh, which makes yes. sense because Lab Zero worked on Skullgirls, right? That's right. Uh, yeah. They did Skullgirls before, and the battle system was very much Mike Z's baby. Mike Z mm-hmm. being the, the, I guess, the gameplay lead on Skullgirls, and he's yeah. also the creator of the engine that this whole game is made in. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm terrible at the indivisible battle system, but other people are good at it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that's, that's good. And... Uh, so, uh, but it's made by uh, Mike Zed, as he's known in the rest of the world. Uh, yeah, Mike Zed. Yeah. Uh, so the lead character is Ajna. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you did the the dialogue, which you know also would mean that you did a lot of the character uh, creation and, and development. And this uh, Ajna is such a strong uh, character. I mean, you can tell, like what that she has had a strong vision behind her. Can you talk about how you began to lay the foundation for her as a character? It's, it's an interesting one. It's, it's kind of a long meandering story and it's, it, she was less established than you might think. I guess I should, I, I forgot to mention exactly what I did on the game and, Oh yeah. Let's do uh, that. Yeah, I did. I basically did all the writing that aside from the backer NPCs, because it was, it was like the highest ever game on Indiegogo. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it had a lot of backers that put their own NPC dialogue in there. Uh, so I did, I did the, basically the dialogue, but the story beats were already established when I came in. There was a big outline and it was all tied to specific gameplay stuff. So it was an interesting challenge that we can talk about later to have to essentially write around existing story beats to try to get the results that we wanted. And that's kind of, in a way, the story of Ajna's development as well, because she was originally created by the team um, and they had a vision for her. They had a you know, she went through a lot of visual iterations, but by the time I came on, I knew what she looked like. So I had that. And when I also, when I came on, there was an existing script, mm-hmm. which I rewrote. Uh, well, actually, <laughs> rewrote is not exactly the right word. Just slip um, that in there, which I rewrote. <laughs> I, I, I just started over is what I did. Yeah. Um, and one of one of the challenges that the team had with Ajna was that because as she goes along, she has to undergo some things that aren't fantastic, and she has to make some choices that are not 
great and the player might not make. Mm -hmm. So it was really important that she be likable. And that was the big uh, issue before I came on was that she wasn't a likable character. Yeah. Let's Um, talk, let's talk about that because I read a blog post uh, that you wrote uh, that focused a lot on the importance of making this particular character likable. So what was the difference between the unlikable, likable version versus the uh, honestly completely likable version that ended up in the final game? Um, I would say what, what started out as like angsty teen, which was a little more of like a coming of age kind of thing. Um, I, I opted to go toward a couple things. One is humor Mm -hmm. and which I have a kind of complicated view of, you know, maybe it's not complicated, but I have a specific view of is what I should say. We're going to talk about that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, and, uh, and then the other thing was like, so, uh, Meryl Cartwright, who's the creative director and, uh, was also the story lead. She was like, Ajna, Ajna can be dumb. She can just, she can be stupid and, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And so I really took that forward and made her not stupid, but like ex- incredibly straightforward. Just like mm-hmm. she, she sees a goal and she goes toward it regardless of whether she knows what that goal is or how to get there or whatever. She's just like, here we go. And I think that doing that allowed me to have a lot of fun with her without making fun of her um, because she's she's just like she's got that kind of uh, uh, tenacity of character mm-hmm. that lets you build a lot of things around her I guess it's, yeah it's also uh, she has a certain kindness to her even if she is you know her and her like like she 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 is kind of naive but she's also optimistic and and she is kind yeah there's there's a uh there were kind of a couple of anime that i actually took cues from mm-hmm. um one is azumanga daio where there's a a character called tomo who is very energetic and always smacking people and there's a particular scene in that anime uh that was kind of an inspiration for Ajna. There's a bit where everybody all the all the it's it's a bunch of schoolgirls and they're going on a class trip uh well not a class trip. They're going on a trip to someone's summer home. And uh Tomo when they arrive after this long arduous journey grabs the keys and throws them into the grass. Uh, because she's like, wouldn't it be funny if someone grabbed the keys and threw them into the grass and everyone's like, no. And then she said, yes, it would. And she throws it. Uh, and then everybody has to spend like the next 30 minutes looking for the keys so that they can get into the house. Uh, when they finally get them again, she's like, wouldn't it be funny if someone did it again? Uh, and, and so that scene was kind of partially an inspiration for, for Ajna. Uh, and another is one called the promised neverland no. uh, i'm familiar with oh, yeah I, I, Alyssa, I, I was waiting for Alyssa to pop in here uh <laughs> but yeah go, go ahead uh i love the promised ne- neverland sorry <laughs> no i do it's but, really um, good but also oof. yeah well it's it's none of the none of the spooky bits that are inspiring here it's just the the main female character in that um she no matter what wants to save everybody all the time mm-hmm. uh she's every everyone around her is like let's compromise we gotta do what makes the most sense to save as many people as possible and she's like no we're saving everyone even if it kills me we're saving everyone mm-hmm. and uh that's that's another part that i got um and kind of slotted into ajna's character yeah so not only is this uh, lead character a young woman, but also uh, the whole game is inspired by the mythology of Southeast Asia. So 
uh, you know, of course you have to be mindful of, you know, you know, writing for a young woman, but you know, also for a different, uh, you know, something inspired by a different culture that you want to make sure that you still, you know, are accurate and, and respectful towards, uh, how did you go about doing that? Well, some, some, a lot of the work was done already in terms of that stuff because the mythology was set up by a very multicultural team. So, um, there was already a lot of thought and concern put into that. And then for myself to make sure that I didn't kind of mess anything up too bad, <laughs> I did a lot of research. Like in the early part of the game, you have to find this thing called the Campferia Galanga, which is uh, also known as Resurrection Lily, in order to recruit this character. And so I did a bunch of searching to see what plants were used in uh, kind of traditional medicine in any of the regions that we were covering that also vaguely looked like the plant that we had. Mm -hmm. And that was the one that I found that pretty much fit all those things. And so any time there was something where we needed to have a or we or an opportunity to have a cultural touch point i would try to do some research and find something that would meet that yeah hey Alyssa. um how's your cold (laughs) i'm just spacing out over here a little bit but no it's really good conversation i'm having that interviewer's dilemma where when um the person you're talking to is saying really interesting things i forget to turn my question brain brain on i'm just like yeah no that is really interesting yeah, uh, the 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 anime stuff. You, it sounded like uh, you wanted to. Say oh something no, it's like just that, uh, that w- <laughs> Promise Neverland is an emotional journey, um, and Emma's fantastic. The character you was talking about, and I could see yeah. a lot of that reflected in the very little I've seen of Indivisible. I haven't got to play it yet. I'm so behind on games, but that's okay. Um, I've played every <laughs> single game. True gamer, Chris Craft. <laughs> uh, yeah. Promise Neverland is is an interesting one for me as a as a story exercise i'm i'm actually trying to not not exactly emulate but um i'm trying to draw from it for the next game that i'm writing too because it has a great like cat and mouse tension mm-hmm. between the various parties that are in uh involved in the in the mystery that's going that's unfolding and i one really cool thing that i learned from it is that a great way to do mystery in a visual medium like this is to show you sh- you show it all these various sides um, that are competing. Uh, you show their individual internal dialogues and their stories within themselves. So, like they, you know, one one faction is discussing their plans, and then another faction is discussing their plans. So, you as a viewer know more than than either one of those factions mm-hmm. knows. But at the same time, both of those factions are hiding something both from you and from each other. So, you know, as <clears throat> as a viewer, you have more, you feel like you have more information than, than everybody in, in the show does. And that allows you to kind of speculate about what's gonna happen and try to think about how these th- threads could interweave. But since the characters are also hiding from something from you, there's a lot of potential for mystery and setups of complicated scenarios and things. And I think it's really cool. So I yeah. like that anime. Uh, yeah, and Indivisible, you know, if, if people haven't played it, like there is, I mean, all of these things, there's so many things that are internalized inside of Ajna. The whole, like the premise of the game is that she recruits people and they live in her brain, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, I guess I just wanted to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She, she absorbs everybody in that she meets into her brain. And, um, a lot of the, a lot of the dumb jokes that I make in it are like, I don't really like direct fourth wall breaking. Cause I think mm-hmm. that's kind of weird and silly, but I like having the characters be aware of how ridiculous a situation is within their the framing of their universe. So uh, having 
one particular character, Razmi, often commenting mm-hmm. on how Ajna is just essentially abducting people into her brain <laughs> uh, felt appropriate to me because I would think that it was weird. So yeah. surely somebody else would as well. Yeah, and that and that avoids you know the winking you know into the camera. Type yeah, thing. which you yeah. don't want. What's your yeah. process for like writing humorous dialogue? Because it's so easy to like write a line and be like, "Oh, this is the funniest thing in the world," and then it just like falls flat. So like, how do you go from like idea inception to actually what ends up in the game? Um, so what I tend to do is look at what I've got, uh, be it images of characters or various scenarios that have to happen. And then I just start writing something and see if something interesting happens. Um, It's my kind of, I had a background in writing kind of uh, web comics Mm -hmm. for a while. And that actually really helped me find my comedic voice, I guess, and how to write dialogue between characters that sounded like humans were involved with it and so it's kind of a similar process where I'll I'll start from an image or an idea and then build it out from there and sometimes you know I I wind up writing myself into a corner and the whole thing is just terrible and I hate it and so then I'll scrap it and rewrite it from scratch Um, but you know, once once you've got a few decent jokes in there, you can recycle them with restraint as the game moves along. And that that's really... That actually, like, people love callbacks and stuff. So for the people that pay attention, that's really handy. But you can also sometimes... Some of the, some of the like, blocks of text that I will scrap are ones where I'm recycling too much and I wind up feeling like I'm trying to make everything a joke and uh and and those winds up being just just that's, terrible. Yeah. That's my life. <laughs> I try to make everything a joke. <laughs> I just did it now. Um so like uh I think we really really established that you and I have known each other for a pretty long time. Yeah. We're good friends. So I'm playing uh oh th- by the way this is total uh what is it? Collusion and you know, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> happening right now. So <laughs> be aware, everybody. Uh, no, but I'm playing Indivisible, and within the first you know five minutes of gameplay, and I'm encountering NPCs, the dialogue I mean, they read like text, like, like from you, <laughs> like, yes, as far as like the personality, you know, is there. I mean, I'm pretty sure that if I was playing Indivisible, I'd be able to be like, wait. And I didn't know, you know, that you were working on on the game. I would be like, wait, did Brandon? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. Oh, yeah, go ahead. My, uh, I did a, a short talk at GDC, like, I, I don't know how many years ago, eight years ago or something like that, um, which was about how you should make games for yourself. Mm-hmm. Because I th- I think I believe that if you make something that really resonates with you then and showing a perspective then people will actually like that much more and find it more interesting than if and more engaging than if you do something that's generic and for everybody. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously this game is made by a lot of people and all the gorgeous art and music and everything is by a whole group of folks but the writing was something that was kind of kind of my part that I got to own and so mm-hmm. I was able to just be like this is this is my joke yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, this is my style of joke that has been in my brain for some time and so now here you may have it mm-hmm. and so it really was kind of like I was writing jokes to my friends. That, and I think the important part of that is like, say I'm making a dumb joke to you or any other person that I've known for a long time, I assume that you will get it. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I need to explain it to you or whatever. And I think that having a trust in the audience to get your joke 
is a big part of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's almost like, you know, we're f- referring to these as jokes, but they're not things, you know, they're not like jokes. They're, it's just humorous. So, for example, really early on in the game, you run into a guy with a bunch of sticks, and then he's just like, I like to carry a bunch of sticks. I like to build stuff with it. I like to set it on fire. And I like to slap people with them. And so- something like that. That's not the exact. I'm not looking at the game right now. It's not a yeah. direct quote. But it's just kind of, uh, th- there's that kind of like, oh, that's like, you know, that's that's silly, you know, type thing. And it's just, and that kind of humor plays out through you know so much of the game that it really uh it makes it feel like lilty you know there's still some heavy things that happen in the game uh but there are these like really uh micro scenario instances where you get to meet one of the very many npcs in this game and uh you just you know their personality right away which Let's let's talk about that because yeah. this th- there's a whole lot of characters in this game, and uh, how do you write for all those? Keep track of them, give them their own unique personalities. Well, I can't say that I did the greatest job of that, uh, okay. but I I did sort of try. Uh, the with with like that sticks guy, I think mm-hmm. the like the, the sticks guy. One one way to get people on board with your character is to just kind of have their first sentence almost describe who they are completely. And and that guy that guy the first thing he says when you click on him is ah yes bale of sticks. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and of course the reason that came about is they just showed me NPCs that I needed to write for. And I was like, "Well, this guy's carrying sticks. What if he? What if he loves it? What if that's his whole deal?" Uh, and you know, it makes it a lot. How, how well, much of that? How much? Sorry to interrupt, but how much of that is just you as somebody who's on deadline writing on a project? Just like I can't think of anything else. He's got sticks. Uh, let's do something with sticks. Well, yeah, I, I mean, there, right there's now. there's definitely <laughs> some of that. There, there's a <clears throat> there's a character in one of the other regions, Connell, that has... They they sent me this character, and he's looking down into this white bowl. And I was like, it just looks like he's staring at milk. And so I made him a, a, a milk fortune teller who reads the milk to tell you what is going to happen. And it's just, like, so stupid, but it is the very first thing that I thought of. Um, I like that, though. Yeah, and and I find that when when I'm under pressure and I have to think of the absolute simplest or first thing that I think of and do it, uh, a lot of my better work comes from that. Uh, just like a a gut reaction, got to do something. Uh, this and yeah. then and then it's it, Alyssa, funny Alyssa, you probably can't. I've never done that in my <laughs> yeah. entire life. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that's just how writers and reporters and you know just in general yeah. operate. I feel like yeah, we love pressure. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, we must. So, in terms of writing all these various characters, it it was tough because there are something like I should really know the real answer, but there's something like 34 voiced characters in this video game. And we'll fact check that. Yeah. And you don't have, this is only a minor spoiler, but you don't have access to all of them all the time. Mm-hmm. And so that made it a a real challenge because there's a lot of, up, up until the very end, we were still deciding who, with some characters, like when you could even get them. Mm-hmm. And so they couldn't be part of the main scenario. So I had to essentially pare the main scenario down to only the characters I knew you could get. And even then, there's still like eight of them, which is too many to put into any one conversation. So I had to limit conversations to four at the absolute max. Three would be a better number. And obviously two is much easier. But since we had so many characters, I had to keep inserting them 
into conversations so you'd remember that they existed or so that they could have some sort of an arc and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And we wound up having to relegate some of the side characters. Their their whole arc only takes place during their recruit and loyalty quests that they have because there just wasn't a lot of space to put them otherwise, which... I'd imagine w- is regrettable. Right. Working but, with a voice acting like Deadline too, it just added like a whole bunch more pressure on top of what's already a very time sensitive process. Oh yes, because of voice acting, uh, I actually had to be f- creative wise. I had to be finished first um, because we had to, you know, record everything and implement it in the game, and all of that takes a lot of time, and so. I had to, I, maybe I wasn't the very first, but I had to finish up um, while other folks were still working away on designing stuff and implementing cutscenes and all that sort of thing. So it made me really nervous because there's no going back from voice acting. There's there's no no return point because unless you can get people back in the studio, which is expensive and thus not going to happen. You're you're stuck with the dialogue that you've got, and so if anything changes, then you have to find creative ways to work around that. Yeah, that sounds scary. Yeah, it's a little spooky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, earlier, you mentioned uh, you were basically handed, you know, all the story beats, and on top of that. Uh, also, we didn't mention like this. This is an Indiegogo funded game. It's a two million dollar Indiegogo funded game, so it was big. Uh, so a lot of the backers on there, they what, what what did they offer? It was like their own dialogue, or they what, had yeah. their own dialogue and their own character. the The rule that I made, because I actually didn't, I didn't edit the NPC dialogue for the for the backer characters, someone else did that. But the the rule that I set was that backers could not write the main characters or any any of the any of the core character any of the playable characters or mm-hmm. even our NPCs. They had to they could only do monologues for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and then somebody edited those all together and had to deal with all that stuff and then they just got put put all over the place and so if you want to see a a chubby merman or a a furry cat girl or whatever they're in there (laughs) and the as far as the story beats go what was that like where it's like okay this is what's going to happen now you finish it up yeah it was interesting because there were definitely things that i would have liked to change but was unable to and it it's it's been interesting to see the results of those changes uh, or not the changes the results how people react to those scenes mm-hmm. like for example we had a huge huge is the wrong word long is the correct word long mm-hmm. argument about um this is not really a spoiler either because it happens in the first 10 15 minutes but um there's a character called Dar who kills Ajna's father. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and he winds up being the first person that you recruit into your brain. And I was against that. I was like, can we at least have him not be the direct killer of the father? Maybe it's it's under his orders or something like that, but not have him be the 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 one who actively killed him because it makes it so difficult for him and Ajna to be together in the same space. And uh, everyone was very adamant that he should, in fact, do this. So you wind up with this tension of Ajna carrying around her father's killer in her brain and being her only companion for uh, the first portion of the game. And so, like... Everyone thought that it was important for later events for that to be for that to be true, mm-hmm. and so I tried to 
you know, write around it as best I could. And so reading reactions to that part have been very interesting because some people are like, Ajna took no time to grieve, this makes no sense, and they didn't like it. And then other people are like, this throws the traditional RPG narrative on its head and is a good example of how this story seems like it's going to um, go down one lane of tropes, but in fact goes another way. So it's been interesting to to read that both of us were kind of correct. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it, how does that make you, I mean, it, it doesn't like, uh, what, what were your thoughts when you're, when you're reading all, all these, you know, oh, reading the comments? Yeah. The comments. I would say that the majority of people's complaints, I was like, yeah, I get that. Um, there were only a few where I was like, that's not, that's not quite right. But, mm-hmm. um, I think the 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 ones where I didn't agree totally were the ones where they were where where they didn't decouple writing and story, which I wouldn't really expect people to, but a lot of people actually did. They were like, "I love the characters, but I don't love this aspect of the story or something like that um, but ultimately, I was really happy with the results because most people did love the whole story it seems and we made a bunch of people cry which is good <laughs> it's always good that's what you want that's that's proof now can't you know this is the answer can video games make you cry and here we are yep we did it yeah uh and it's it's definitely nice to read that the game made people laugh a lot and then also made them cry and they got to feel several ranges of emotion going on in the one game. So overall, I'm pretty, pretty happy with reading the reviews. Uh, I didn't really like hearing zero punctuations review. That one was kind of not so cool, but, um, (laughs) otherwise I somehow missed it. Yeah. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's very snarky about a lot of things that, um, are like fair enough, but, kind of out of any one individual person's control and and thus difficult to mm-hmm. feel like they sh- those comments should be as biting as they so were. I guess on this that is... note, uh, how does like reading reviews for something you put your heart and soul and your time into has to be like horrifying? I would be my personal word for it, but uh, there's some value like how you're explaining it in reading what other people have to think and like criticism of the thing that you made. How do you kind of like go about getting the useful information from reviews or kind of knowing when to be like, no, I can't let this get to me. That, that takes completely wrong. Yeah. For, I think I've found that somehow perhaps due to a long time of being a, a journalist and just being very online and such, uh, I seem to have a slightly thicker skin when it comes to reading these kinds of things. Um, because if I feel like I did a pretty good job, that's that's my defense <laughs> <laughs> against against everything else. And there will be people that say that they hate it. And, you know, that won't stop me reading the review or the, the, the commentary because I'll be curious to see what they have to say about like if they say they hate the writing I'll keep reading the rest to see if they really liked something else and you know I'll often find that someone didn't like the writing but they were kept playing through the game because they liked the battle system or they compared the platforming to Celeste or they thought that the game was too pretty to stop playing or something like that and then I can share that back with the team and have them I don't know feel a little nice about it so that's that's valuable in itself and uh, another thing is it's worth sifting through a lot of these just general comments because for for example I found someone on the internet who uh, on Twitter who was making fan art of Ajna and Torani who's kind of like her mentor character that that shows up later and Torani is she's she's sort of modeled after a Thai deity so I 
you know, f- found a word that an older Thai woman could give to a, affectionately to a younger Thai woman and f- found this word, luksao, which is basically like my child. Um, <clears throat> and this person that I found on Twitter that was doing this fan art was a Thai person and was really focusing on the use of that word and writing it in Thai along with the um, the images that they were drawing. And it was great because <clears throat> it felt like that person... I mean, I wonder how many times that person had gotten to see a Thai term of endearment in an English language video game before. And they were also validating for me that the term was used correctly because I'm always nervous when I look up mm-hmm. something from any culture that's not my own and then try to put it into a video game in correct context. And so, you know, it was worth sifting through tons of good, bad, mediocre tweets to find something like that where it's like this totally resonated with somebody yeah. and that's fantastic. Yeah, you have that connection. And it's good that the word didn't end up being like jerk face or something <laughs> yeah i mean i i got it from uh from thai friends so i i had yeah. a reasonable amount of confidence that it was yeah. fine but yeah yeah you yeah, never and, know and, and of course like there's like there is the underlying you know concept here of uh all the benefits of having an inclusive team when you're when you're writing a story not just like this but you know any kind of story you just get more uh interesting characters and uh a, a, like more viewpoints on uh on you know different ways that people you know live yeah and i was i was a little i had some trepidation around being a caucasian dude who's writing the story i mean writing all the dialogue you know for this very diverse cast Mm -hmm. but you know i realized that having a diverse team behind you all of, I mean, not behind me, but, um, with me, uh, <laughs> good save. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Z thinks I'm too arrogant. So, <laughs> um, <clears throat> anyway, having, having this group of people that not only were responsible for crafting the story and the characters, uh, visually and story beat wise in the first place, but having them, look at everything I wrote and, you know, veto stuff if it seems like it's wrong or, um, you know, just add a bit of themselves if they can or need to or want to somewhere. Uh, I didn't, I didn't do as much of adding of themselves as I could have because of time pressure, but there was, there was some of that and it, that all just kind of made it so much easier to make a game that has a lot of inclusivity, a lot of different kinds of people without making it like a big deal or a big point. Mm -hmm. Um, I read an article that someone wrote recently about how they were happy that all these characters were hanging out together and allowed to just, just be there. They didn't have to be like, you're this race and I'm this race. We got to figure out how to work together. Yeah. Um, peop- everybody was just like, hey, it's a new friend or I don't like that person. And yeah. it didn't, that didn't follow down any particular lines. And it's unfortunate that that's rare, but I guess it is rare. And I'm happy we were able to get somewhere with that. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, when you and I first met, we were like, you're white, I'm half Filipino. And, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, how, that's how it went down. on a reaction already failed that test. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, we need to wrap up here. Uh, Brandon was only supposed to be on for five minutes, uh, <laughs> but it just got really interesting. Uh, one thing, you know, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you really do a lot to uh, give young people, you know, the inform the information and you know that they need to, uh, you know, get into the game industry or navigate through the game industry. Um, you do that, you know, through uh, projects at, at GDC and 
and just in general. Uh, but uh, for for writers who are trying to uh, get into the industry, uh, you know, what's what's Brandon Sheffield's uh, tip for that? Yeah, so I actually recently did a little talk at a group called Gameheads in Oakland, which is all about kind of youth of color breaking into the game industry and stuff. Yeah. And I mean, number one tip is, of course, do writing, do a bunch of writing and uh, get critiques and try to do better and realize that you can always do better. And like, this isn't exactly game specific either, but I also think it's super important for people to figure out what their own taste is and write things based on that. I remember in high school, I got um, invited to some like writer's forum or something like that. And I decided this was going to be a good time to challenge my, myself and write like a sci-fi story that was out of my com comfort zone. And uh, it totally fell flat. And what I learned from that experience was not that I shouldn't have written a sci-fi story or something, but that I shouldn't have tried to write so far beyond my feelings and my experience. And whenever you can, not that people shouldn't branch out because they obviously should, <clears throat> but if you are going to branch out, you need to ground it in stuff that you know super well first. So you can take the, uh, the germ of something mundane and very familiar to you and which might be familiar to other people, like the particular ritual that you have for getting cereal in the morning or something like that. And then we pan out from this serial thing to we're in a hellscape or whatever mm -hmm. um that it just it helps to ground the experience and helps people to identify with it and i i find that that's a mistake that a lot of young writers make is they try to go straight for the fantasy bit without doing the here's how this relates to my life and this is why it came from me as a person rather than anyone else uh <clears throat> then in terms of game stuff people should make twine games i think that's good mm. um because twine's free and it's really easy to use and you can make visual novels with choices and things another tip that i have is if you write dialogue try to read it out loud and sound see if it sounds extra stupid because that happens to me a lot. I'll write something and I'll be like, is this fine? And then I'll try to read it out loud or read it in my head. And I'll be like, yeah, this is uh, this is not something a human being would say. <laughs> how, how, how loudly do you recommend reading it out loud? Just the top of your lungs is probably... <laughs> okay. okay, good. I'm doing it right. Yeah, just uh, get on public transit and um, <laughs> just, just scream it out. Uh, but yeah, also just write write for any any game that you can my first video game that i did any writing for was oddly enough a capcom collection with digital eclipse back in 2005 <laughs> um in digital eclipse's first iteration and i was just writing some dumb quiz questions for a they had like a there's this capcom game called quiz and dragons which had a bunch of quiz questions in it that were about Capcom and they wanted to re renew those. And so I wrote some new Capcom trivia mm -hmm. and you know, that of course didn't do very much for me career wise because I was a definitely a footnote in that video game and very little of it had to do with me. But when I next then went to someone who needed a writer I knew they needed a writer. I was like, hire me because I can write things. And also I have one game credit and then you can see it. Mm -hmm. uh, and so having for a, just a little company called Capcom. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so having any, any game credit can 
can really help. It is fun that, you know, now I guess I've been doing writing in games for almost 15 years now, mm. and I can finally claim to have a million seller, and that's Street Fighter yeah, 30th Street anniversary, Fighter. and yeah. it is like, there's absolutely no way that that sold a million copies because of me, but <laughs> <laughs> I can still put it on my you resume. Have to tell people that, though. And that's what matters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so good. So uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up here then. Uh, Indivisible, Lab Zero. It's Brandon Sheffield, lead writer on the game. Highly recommend it. Not just because he's my friend, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it really, it really is good. Uh, it, it does convey so many, so many emotions. The battle system is so much fun and uh, check it out. And thanks a lot for joining us, Brandon. Thank you. It was enjoyable. Good. That's what we aim for. <laughs> <laughs> what, what a weird way to say that. <laughs> what a human being say that? I, I don't think they would. <laughs> We're back for a little bit. This is where we reflect on our guests, uh, <laughs> reflect about them, talk about, <laughs> about them behind their back. Now, yeah, this is where. Uh, yeah, Brandon's gone now. Uh, yeah, this is where we talk crap. So uh, I, I got I got some juicy juicy information on Brandon Sheffield <laughs> now that he's gone. Uh, uh, the man has uh, twenty game consoles connected to his television set. I'm trying to imagine, like, all at once, like, that's... Yes, all at once. I don't know. I'm, like, staring at my TV in the background right now, and just, like, you can <laughs> see the cords hanging from behind the shelves and just this nightmare that if, like, a cat got back there, they'd be stuck forever. Like, I can't yeah. imagine 20? <laughs> yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking at my uh, entertainment system that has one PlayStation 4 connected <laughs> to it and one Apple TV, and it just looks like a rat's nest. <laughs> So he he must have some kind of system like that makes that possible. Get him back on the podcast just to talk about cord management. Yeah, yeah, we'll get him back on for that <laughs> for the GDC podcast. <laughs> we need to have GDC should have a cord management summit. <laughs> I think that that would be well attended. Uh, no, but Brandon, we didn't even get to talk about it. Uh, he's a he's a multifaceted person, uh, but he collects games and uh, he is he collects old hardware and and things like that so it's it's there uh yeah he 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 knows that stuff that is an area of interest and expertise and intrigue <laughs> yeah well what did you think about the conversation we had it with was Brandon? really good like i said i kept kind of like uh it's mostly the cold brain but i kept kind of like just zoning out and listening like i was just listening to a very good podcast conversation and forgetting to contribute but it's a really good. Yeah, you're just, you're, you, this wasn't just a live stream, like for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I just come into yeah. these are my own exclusive little interviews I can listen to and not contribute <laughs> to. But I always yeah. like when we end up either on here the couple times I've been on the GDC um, Twitch channel when we're talking to like writers and stuff like that because I try to poke mm -hmm. in. I'm like, okay, but how do you how do you write good? How do you make words great? And mm -hmm. every time it's just like, oh yeah, I just I just do, and it just kind of works out like that. But the, the, that was kind of the case here too, where I tried to like dig in, like how does how does humor work? How do you make jokes funny? And just he explained his process. Yeah. But like the thing that's not being said there is these are people with twenty, fifteen years in like experience in that. It's just like a practice skill over and over and over again. Like he was saying with um just getting your first like game credits, but like all of that kind of builds mm -hmm. into experience. It gives you the ability to just kind of like not overthink your jokes and just look at like the art you're given and be like, Oh, this is a stick guy. This is the milk guy. And just kind of like make that a mm -hmm. funny, productive thought. And that's kind of like yeah. a secret expertise that uh, I, I would pick up. Yeah. On. Just, yeah. Just get it done. I mean, you know, uh, writers and, and, and journalists, uh, not, not just those professions, but anyone, I don't know. There's, there's a certain kind of person that can only do anything on a deadline, Yeah, you know? And I'm kind of yep, that way same. too. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that every single person that, you know, I have worked with in, uh, in, in journalism or writing or whatever, uh, they're the same mm -hmm. way. I don't want to say when we're recording this deadline. podcast, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. 
Yeah, this case in point. (laughs) Uh, Uh, My (laughs) other takeaway that I want to sneak in is anime is good and everyone should watch it. Yeah, and apparently uh, you watch enough (laughs) anime, then you'll get a video game credit Yeah, no, it was uh, interesting for uh, people should go watch um, The Promised Neverland. It's on Crunchyroll, which is an anime viewing subscription. It's like Netflix of anime. Uh, But the things he was saying about characters in there kind of changed. Like, I hadn't thought that deeply into it because I was just consuming my media. Uh, but the way he was mm. describing how certain characters are very driven and each the the uh, conflict for the entire series is set up at the beginning and then it's these smaller micro internal conflicts that create the suspense. And like, I don't know, I'm really interested to see what game that manifests into because just how he was describing it was like really great. So, yeah, that's that's something that, you know, where uh, this just sounds like an interesting I haven't seen it, but I haven't seen a lot of anime <laughs> as Transformers, you know, yeah. count when Yeah. Uh, but you know, that's such an interesting way to create suspense without hiding everything. Mm -hmm. It's like, we're going to show you everything and you know, we'll be able to draw the suspense from there is what it sounds like. Yeah. Just like like very like character driven turns where everything feels it's, there's like mystery novels you'll read where you'll get to the end and you'll guess who the killer is. And it's like, actually it's this guy because of this thing you, that was kind of obscured for you and you don't feel justified in it. But uh, the kind of yeah. turns he was talking about are those where you don't see it coming, but it still feels justified and like it fits into the overall narrative. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for joining the Chris and Alyssa <laughs> Anime. <laughs> I will review anime on this podcast if you let me. Do not. Please do not. Yeah, we, we, can, we can do that. We'll add a segment. Uh, anime with Alyssa. <laughs> sponsored by Subway. <laughs> no, we have no sponsorship uh, with Subway. A little uh, Game Awards joke um, for you. <laughs> yeah, we're very timely. Well, what were your uh, big yeah. takeaways from the conversation now that I've blabbed on? Oh, no, no. Oh, you're not blabbing. Um it's uh I don't know. A lot a lot of the stuff that that Brandon, you know, talks about are are conversations that I've had with him about about writing and uh I think with him I I love the advice that he had at the end about um you know, finding, uh, finding your, finding your, your voice and, um, you know, not, uh, you know, I, I, I could tell that he was trying to walk a line between, you know, uh, write what, you know, and also, but, you know, and also, you know, writing, like branching Mm -hmm. out, you know, into, into new topics and just to be, to be careful about that. But it is, it's just an an interesting thing that I think that you can only figure out. Uh, I mean, you you can watch YouTube videos, you can watch, you you know, that, that, that talk about process. You can watch Brandon's, you know, talk, um, you know, on GDC vault or or GDC YouTube. But um, the only way that you're going to be able to figure that out is like writing. And I know that probably is really annoying whenever any, you know, young writer asks for advice and the advice is just, well, just write Mm -hmm. more. Um, but that, that really is what it, that is what it is. I mean, you just have to keep on trying. And I do think that there is a point where it, you know, clicks or becomes more clear to you about the style, like your, your writing style, like, you know, if I'm sitting around and, you know, trying to write like Philip K. Dick or Ray Bradbury, it's not going to go so well for me. And, uh, and in fact, hasn't gone well for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that, that's kind of the thing. I, I really like that idea of just kind of like figuring out, you know, what you like. And, and I also liked um, when talking about writing the dialogue for Invisible, in, in, Indivisible, it's kind of um that same idea excuse me like um you know writing uh don't write necessarily for other people i mean obviously you're writing for other people uh but do something that you know write something that you enjoy you know something that you enjoy you know there's going to be somebody else out there that uh that it connects Mm -hmm. with so yeah, there's yeah, there is a lot of stuff there, and you know it's kind of nice to talk to uh, somebody that that you know uh, about their craft because usually we're just you know making dumb <laughs> jokes. 
Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's great. So I think that it, uh, that about does it for this yeah. one. You you need to get loaded up on Nyquil no, or something. It's Dayquil. <laughs> it's a uh, ear pressure, so Benadryl is what I have to do. But I can't um, function as a human being after taking that. So it's got to be like suffer through the work day and then just go to sleep. <laughs> All right. Yeah, or you could just take it off. Take, take it off. <laughs> take the afternoon off. I don't know about that. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll figure that out <laughs> later on. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, you can subscribe to us. You can follow us on Spotify. Uh, you know, rate us if you love us. And uh, right. oh, you can also find us on, on, uh, GDC, uh, on GDC, GDC YouTube. YouTube if you... Spotify, the Apple podcast thing. And then what's the Android one? Is it just Google Play, right? Yeah, Google Play yeah. Music, even though it's not music. But yeah, you'll you'll find us. I, I trust all of you. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. This is Chris Graft. Alright, thanks Bye. everyone. Bye.